Father, we pause before we speak to you, for you are God. And instead of us just jumping in and asking, we want to stop and give you praise for who you are. And who you've revealed yourself to be from your word. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you are great. God, we thank you that we can come to you with anything and know that you can do whatever you want. And God, that even in those times where it doesn't seem like you are working quick enough or it feels like you forgot, Father, I thank you that you have a better plan in mind. Your ways of answering things that we ask for are better than the way that we ask them. God, I thank you that you have your best interest in mind for us. Not our best interest, but your best interest in mind for us. May we never settle for anything less. So now, Father, I do pray that as we open your word, that Holy Spirit, you would speak, and that you would anoint this time, that you would help us to be teachable, humble to receive instruction, humble enough to be challenged, honest enough to be changed. God, may you, only you speak as I said this morning, I say often, I pray you keep my opinion, my agenda to myself. I pray that the only thing that we hear is your truth. God, we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, amen. amen. Question for you, rhetorical, I don't, you don't need to answer out loud, but do you believe the Bible? And I'm speaking to those of you who are followers of Jesus. Do you believe the Bible? I mean, when you, when you look at this book... Do you believe that from cover to cover, these are the very words of God? I guess the next question to ask is, do we actually believe the value of the word of God? Because don't you, do you find it difficult or find it hard to find time to spend time reading it? Or if you've ever had this experience where you leave camp and, man, you had this God moment and you make this commitment that, Tomorrow I'm going to read the Bible, all of it, all of it in one day. You're just all in. And so you start in Genesis, and you get through that, and there's some weird stories in there. You get to Exodus, the first half's pretty, pretty cool, and then you get to the second half, you're like, whoa. And then you get to Leviticus, and that one just ends it all. You get to that one because... You really start in the middle of most books. You always start at the beginning of books, right? So you get to Leviticus, Leviticus and go, I don't understand it. And then numbers, just counting people. And then you found God's cure for insomnia, or at least you think so. And so you give up. Guys, I promise you this. For those of you who would make a commitment to spend time with, with God and the Word, I know, and this is what happens a lot, We'll say, God, would you change my heart that I would want to spend time with you in your word? And then we wait for that desire to build up in us, and we just don't do anything about it. Have you ever been guilty of that? God, change my heart that I want your word. Change my heart that I want your word. And then it doesn't change. He's sitting there going, I prayed, and it didn't happen. But what if God's saying this? You know what? I will give you a desire more for it when I actually see a desire in the beginning for it. That you make the commitment to do so. You just start to read you say, well, I've never had anyone show me how to do that. Guys, I get that. Guys, I was part of a, I was part of a youth group, and now we were told all the time, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I never had anyone show me how. No one ever told me how to do it. Just the practical, this is the way that I've done it that's been helpful. 
Guys, the first time that anyone ever showed me how to read the Bible was up here at Hume Lake. I was 19. I was, I was one of the volunteers for our church with the high school group. And one of the youth pastors did a seminar uh, on, a, on a Bible study method. And I thought, okay, so I, I'll, I'll write this down. And guys, I then applied that for the next 20 years until I ch- kind of changed it up to how I wanted to because it started to make sense. Guys, it was so helpful to have someone just explain it to me because, guys, when we open the pages of the book, guys, we're hearing God. For those that say, I just need God to speak to me. I mean, Brian, I would change everything if I just knew, if God would speak to me. Guys, I promise you this every time that you open this book, he's speaking, he will teach you, he will speak to you. Friends, tomorrow, I think it's tomorrow, I get to do an optional seminar. I think it's at four in Memorial. And it's going to be that Bible study method that I learned so many years ago, 30 30 years ago, that was so helpful for me. Now it's like, wow. And you watch when you start. Maybe you'll do it for five, ten minutes, and all of a sudden, God begins to grow your desire for it. But guys, you got to take that first step. It's called faith. Do you believe the Bible? Because here's what the Bible says about itself. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Because there's something to this book. The humbling part is to receive it as correction. That there are times where God, where God will confront you because he's not afraid of us. He also loves us, loves us enough to tell us the truth. So friends, tomorrow, four o'clock, love to see optional, completely optional. But for those that say, I've never had anyone show me how to do it. I mean, you don't have to come to that. I mean, go to your youth pastor or your youth worker and walk up to them and ask, hey, how do you spend time with God in the word? Because this isn't the only way. This is a way. But youth leader, I got to ask you, do you have a way that you could point them to? Guys, as, as, I, I don't remember if I said it in here in chapel, but it might have just been the, in the counselor meeting. I think that, that right now what we're living in, that, that we are the most biblically illiterate culture in the history of the church. Ever since the church began, even during the days where people were illiterate and they couldn't read, Think about all the resources that we have, but we don't have the time because we're too busy. We're too busy scrolling and like our attention's always on something. Oh, Brian's anti-social media. No, I'm not. I don't understand it, but I'm not. But here's the reason I'm not anymore. Guys, I used to be that pastor that would show up to something that I'm speaking at. Say I was invited to speak to something. And before I go up, and they're in a time of worship, hands are up, lights are crazy, smoke's out, and man, it looks awesome. And I found the perfect angle where I could take the picture. Man, it looked like 10,000 people were there. There's like 40. And then I would post it and say something like, humbled to be here. And I'd wait for people to double tap that picture. And if I could reach 100 likes, then I knew that I was validated. And I wonder how many of you still fall into that. I'm validated as a person so long as someone else that I don't really know likes what it is that I post. Guys, I did that so long. I remember in a quiet time, I think it's the end of Romans chapter two, I'm spending time with the Lord. 
And the last verse of that chap- chapter says something like, and God will give you his praises. And like, well, that doesn't make any sense. God will give you his praises. Why would he praise me? And then this thought popped in my head. Stop using my people for your quick fix of pleasure. And I went, oh! I felt like I just got socked in the stomach. I was like, oh! No joke. I ran into my wife. I said, God just ripped me apart. And then I ran back in. And that's all I told her. And can you imagine? And she's going, what the heck are you talking about? And then I just shut the door and I said, God, I am so sorry. Because what I see in your word say is, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And I felt so convicted. Why? Because I was using God's people that I was supposed to serve and love. I was using them for my pleasure. Guys, that's a conviction that God gave to me that came from his word. And I had to say, God, I'll give it up. I don't need it. I don't have it. And my brain still works. My heart still pumps. Gosh, I feel like I have more time. Guys, it all came because I'm just hanging out with God and I really believe that God from his word wants us to make us what? Healthy. And he wants to heal and he wants to help. For those who say, I don't believe that the Bible is the word of God and my question is to you, why? And then maybe for some you say, well, you have to prove that it is, but you can't just keep using that as your excuse. You can't just keep, well, it's all, all the burden of proof is on you. No, no, no. You actually have a responsibility also to show and to, to give evidence as to why it's not. You can't just throw it on everybody else. You have a worldview, therefore you have to be able to defend your worldview. So guys, when I look at the pages of scripture, I look and go, okay, just some quick facts. You realize that archeologically, they've never found anything to disprove it, ever. They haven't found everything that's in it, but nothing in archeology span has ever disproven it. Guys, when you look at the Bible that it was written by 40 different authors from all these walks of life, three different languages, three different continents, over 1,500 years, and it doesn't contradict itself. You know why that's so impressive? Friends, if I was to take one hot topic of today, so wherever your hometown is, like your downtown, wherever you're from, if I go down wherever you live, and I just take the topic of abortion, and I just walk downtown, and I randomly pick 100 people, on the same day, in the same place, do you believe that all 100 people will agree on that one topic? Absolutely not. So how is it that a book, three different languages, three different continents, 40 different authors, 1,500 years of putting it together, and it's a cohesive whole, and it doesn't contradict itself? Guys, I look at that as miraculous. Also this, do you realize that in the Old Testament there are, these, there are these things called messianic prophecies? In other words, things before Jesus showed up that predicts this is what the Messiah is going to do. So there's about over 300, give or take, over 300 messianic prophecies. So some math prof takes his class through and says, hey, let's figure out the probability that one person will fulfill just eight of the 300 plus messianic prophecies. So they work through the math, people that are much smarter than I am. This is what they came away with. <clears throat> the probability that one person would fulfill just eight of the 300 plus prophecies about the Messiah is one in 10 to the 17th power. So 10 to the 17th power. So 10 with 17 zeros after it. Guys, let's put this into perspective. If I have that amount of silver dollars, 10 to the 17th power, if I have that amount of silver dollars, guys, that's, a, that's enough silver dollars to fill the state of Texas two feet deep. The whole state. 
covered two feet deep in silver dollars. So, now imagine, what's your name, buddy? Gavin? Gavin? Hume says, I'm sending Gavin and three of your closest friends to Texas. First class flight, because it's Hume. They can pay for it. So you're going to go to Texas. I don't want to pay for it. So you're going to go to Texas. I'll go with you. Here's the, here's the game, Gavin. We take one of those silver dollars and mark a red X on it, and I chuck it in the middle of the state of Texas. Then, Gavin, we blindfold you. We stir the whole state up. Of, we, stir, we, stir all, I'm sorry, we stir all the silver dollars up. And then we say, you got one shot to find the one red X. And if you find the one red X on your first try, you get them all. Guys, the likelihood that Gavin will find that red X silver dollar on his first try is the same probability that one person would come and fulfill just eight of the messianic prophecies and Jesus fulfilled all 300 plus. So think about it. For those that sit and go, I don't believe it. You gotta prove it. Guys, there's some evidence. Christians, we don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to check our brain is at the door and just say, I just believe it. I don't think through it. God has given us enough evidence that we can sit there and go, I can make a rational decision and I can move forward by faith. Friends, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Verse 11, there's this phrase that says, abstain from sinful desires. It's from the scriptures. And again, you sit there and go, why would I obey the scriptures? Why would I obey the scriptures? One, if you understand this is the word of God. If you see the value in this. Guys, do you realize that God sets up commandments for our good? When we start to see the commandments for our joy, rather than God just being the ultimate killjoy, guys, think about it. Why do we think that God is so boring if God is the one who created fun? Why do we think he's so boring if God is the one who created humor and laughter? Friends, have any of you ever heard someone or maybe someone here has that laugh that angels descend to listen to? Like once you start to lose it and you're just laughing, they're like, oh my goodness, listen to that. Everyone around you wants you to keep laughing because, oh man, it's just, you're massaging my soul like a koala bear. It's like, remember that? It's like, oh, this is amazing. Friends, some of you guys have that laugh. And then there's others of you <laughs> that you don't have that laugh. <laughs> that when you begin to laugh, people start going, oh, let's pray, let's pray, what is that? <laughs> come on, come on. I feel like, I feel like that's Minga the demon. Come on, come on, we gotta pray. Get that thing, no, 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 don't laugh, don't laugh, don't squeal, what was that? Friends, do you ever laugh so hard that you felt your stomach's gonna explode? Yeah. Now here's the thing, and like it hurts, right? And yet, isn't it awesome? Like it's just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, stop, stop. Okay, now yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. I mean, you're, we're laughing so hard that all of a sudden it's like abs are just popping out. <laughs> and ladies, I just wanna give you a warning. Just be honest with you. If you're in mixed company and you say something like this, okay, stop, stop. If you don't stop, I'm going to pee my pants. Every guy there is thinking this. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Gentlemen, if I'm, if, I, if I'm telling the truth, say amen. amen. There it is. Ladies, you've been warned. Guys, think about it. laughter. I don't. 
If I, it's not like if I don't hit my quota of laughter today that I'm not gonna live. It's not, quote unquote, a necessity, but God has given it to us for what? Our enjoyment, our joy. Guys, he created humor. Who loves the arts? Who's artistic? Do you know who created that? I don't even know what you just said, but I'm all in, yeah. I feel it, I'm like ready to go. Here's the thing, guys, God did it. Think about it, if you get up in the morning, guys, when you see a sunrise or a sunset, that takes no effort for God. He's not sitting there going, what do I do today? He's like, ah, let me just show off. The reason that many of you are creative because you are created by a creative creator. Guys, he created that, he created music. Joy and laughter, wisdom, thought. Guys, he created community, relationship. And for some of you, you actually think that he's the ultimate killjoy, but you wouldn't even know what joy was had he not made it. Guys, his rules are for our good. When he says, I want you to abstain from all these sinful desires, it's for our good. Guys, like I said, I've got two boys, and when my oldest, Tyler, when he was like one and starting to scoot around, before that, he just kind of laid around. I was like, I can take this. But then he got mobile. And I haven't been well-rested since that day. <laughs> and I've been tired ever since that day. But we just, my wife and I, we just had this conviction. Like, this is our home. You'll learn the rules. We'll lovingly direct you to them, but we're not gonna baby-proof everything. You'll be fine. But we just had this rule. One of them was, and we saw him, we saw his little mind going, at least I saw it that day. I don't think Kelly was around. He's just sitting there and he's pulling himself on the table and I'm like, good job, good job. And all of a sudden he's getting ready to crawl and he gets going and he's moving around. I'm sitting in my chair over here and he, he sees this rectangle thing on the wall. What is it with babies that they see that and they go, that goes in there. <laughs> like, what is it? So he starts scooting over, big old diaper butt hanging out the back. He's all going over. And I see it. I, I know what he's going to do. And I just say, Tyler, no. No joke, guys. He, he, does that, he does that baby flip seat thing. Like, boom. He's just sitting there on his diaper. And he's just staring at me. And I'm like, dude, I'm not afraid of a one-year-old. Like, I don't know how you think you're going to win this, but I'm pretty sure I could take you. And he looks at me and I said, Tyler, just don't do it, man. I told you no. He gave me this look that I know in his soul he was saying these words. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> oh, and it's on. He turned over, started going toward it. I got out of the chair. He starts to reach and whack. He's like, what the? <laughs> I said, Tyler, I said, no. Now he's even more determined. See, before this, I thought he was like the second Messiah, sinless. I saw it. There's the sin nature. It popped out real strong. He looks, he goes again. Whack. Kept going. Kept going. I'm like, dude, learn. Every time your hand goes toward that, it hurts. He finally, last time, whack. He looks, he just starts to waddle away. Guys, why did I do that? Now, some of you might sit there and go, Brian, he has to learn. He has to learn. 
Everybody's got to learn on their own. Seriously, that's what your advice would be to a parent of a one-year-old where the one-year-old wants to stick his finger in in the light socket. If that's your mentality, please don't have children. (laughs) Guys, why do you think that I said no, no, over and over? I want him to learn. Why? No, no, no. Because I want him to live. (laughs) I want to increase his joy, not take from it. And for some of you, you act like I've said. You think that God's trying to steal your joy. In reality, what he's trying to do is to enhance it, increase it, care for you, protect you. Don't do these things. Say, Brian, there's things in here I don't know that I agree with. That's fine. But here's the thing. You have to come to some conclusion about what the book is. And if you believe that the book is the word of God and that God is beyond value, that he's worth it, he's beyond us, he's smarter than us, he's above everything, sovereign commander of the universe, then we say, hey, even if I disagree with this book, I obey because he's worthy. And so when we get to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, gosh, that was just the intro. We're going to be here till Wednesday. Verse 1, three words, but Daniel resolved. But Daniel resolved. Think about it. They tried to change his name. Then they say, we want you to eat all the food from the king's table. But Daniel resolved. Guys, I looked at that word resolved. It says, that which has been planned or purposed. Some translations translate that word as scowl. I'm like, scowl? Like, why would you translate as scowl? Here's the thing. Anybody have that game day face? Yeah. Oh, dang. You're all in, huh? Game day, you're like, I don't care. I'll kill them all. <laughs> Feeling it? Athletes, you have that time where right before you go out, you got that game face? See, there's a point where, see, when you're little, you're, you're like, okay, I like to play. This is just fun to play sports. And then all of a sudden, at some point, many of us cross that threshold. And it's like, oh, no. No, this is a battle. And everyone else deserves to die, right? Okay, so it's like game face. It's like you're getting ready to go. You get ready to go. You just kind of get it going. Oh, yeah, this is it. You start feeling it. And then you go out. We did our basketball team. We got all riled up. And we lost almost every game. But we were jacked up, ready to go. I think that's why they put the word scowl there for some translations. Like you're focused. You're not changing your mind. Daniel resolved not to. Friends, we got to stop thinking that we're the victims of our thoughts and our feelings. Therefore, whatever I think or feel, that's who I am. Guys, I'm really thankful that not everyone on the planet has ever done anything that they've thought against me. Or whatever they've felt against me. I'm really thankful that many people have held back restraint. I'm thankful that you've held back restraint. There's certain things we won't do. Guys, we decide to follow Jesus. We don't surrender to Jesus, and then Jesus just says, okay, now I'll make you think and feel everything like I want you to. Guys, it's this process of us becoming more and more like Jesus. But friends, it takes everything. Salvation's the gift we don't have to pay for. We receive, but discipleship costs us everything for the rest of our lives, but Jesus is worth it. So when I heard a student last week say something like, after she'd made a decision, and I think it was the last night before they're all getting ready to go back to their cabins and leave the next day, she said something like, I'm just not sure that I'm gonna be able to do this. I said, are you kidding me? You can do this? 
Jesus is great in you. You can do this. She goes, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. And when I heard that statement, I told her, I said, you know what? This isn't just you riding on this little wagon because you've decided and he'll just take you to heaven. I was like, now you make the decision every single day. Friends, when I sat in those seats, I used to think that the person up here who was preaching, man, they had it together. I mean, they had all the answers and they didn't sin ever. They had the bat phone to God until I became that guy. Guys, I'm in process just like the rest of you. I'm still fighting. Guys, temptations still come and I fight against those. So I'm not like some superhuman Jesus Jr. almost walking on water kind of guy. I'm just this guy saved by the grace of God, taking the steps forward to follow Jesus wherever he leads the best that I can. And when I screw up, I go, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? And I don't ask for forgiveness because I'm afraid I've lost relationship or salvation. No, no, no. But I've, I've lost intimacy with my creator. Guys, I struggle just like everyone else. But the longer you walk with him, oh, you start to see victories. And it's like, yes, yes, you're starting to see him heal all these things from the past and help you through all these things in the, in the present to prepare you for what's coming in the future. Guys, he's involved in all of it. And so what do I do every day? Guys, I wear three things of bling. Well, four, because this one gets me food over there. But like, the, normally it's three. And this one reminds me on my left hand. This one reminds me that I'm married to this incredibly gorgeous woman who loves Jesus. I'm just sitting there going, you're, like, you're sitting there going, it's not possible. I'm like, I know. Like, this is God's grace. It's, it's, it's her call to ministry, but it's God's grace for me. So this is a reminder. So every day I put this back on. When I put it, like I take it off, take a shower, I put it back on. It's this reminder of the vows that I made 25 years ago, no matter what. When I put this one on, this one reminds me of my relationship with Jesus. So every morning when I put it on, it's this reminder. I'm all in for you, Jesus. I'm committed to you. It's my resolve. And when I put my watch on, it's like I'm saying to God, God, interrupt my day that I might accomplish your will at the expense of my schedule. In other words, every morning I'm recommitting. I'm all in, God. I'm all in. Every day I'm confessing my struggles. Every day I'm repenting from and turning to Jesus. Every day, not salvation, relationship. Daniel resolved not to eat the king's food. He made the decision in the beginning, I'm going to obey God regardless of the circumstances that come my way. And followers of Jesus, that's what we do. That's what we're called to do. And every day we simply say this, God, would you give me the strength that I might obey you as, as worship to you because I love you. Every day, just ask him for help. Every day, ask him for help. Daniel resolved, and it continues in verse eight, and Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked, guys, I think those three words are huge. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me just give you some practical advice. For some of you, you have a spiritual gift of sass. <laughs> there's like the fun kind. We're just joking with each other. There's like trash talks. Like, yeah, this is great. But then there's others of you, honestly, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in this room, everyone's horribly polite. 
But I'm guessing maybe there's a couple that maybe struggle with this. And in that sass is an attitude of entitlement. And so instead of ever asking, there's this sense of demanding. And does it really ever turn out well? Guys, I think this is a practical thing. Daniel could have been bitter. He could have looked at his captor saying, absolutely not. This is, I'm not doing this, and just ripped into him. But he said, therefore he asked. He asked, he was polite. Guys, there's something to that. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So would you endanger my head with the king? Daniel said to the steward among the chief of the eunuchs, and assign, I'm sorry, had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezra, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be, be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. 10 days out of three years, 10 days, come on. Would you try it? Would you let us, please? The word please. And he said yes. Guys, at the end of those 10 days, they looked better than everybody else. That God came through because they were willing to take the step of obedience, not knowing what was gonna ultimately happen. But they said, we're not gonna do this. We'll obey God and we're gonna trust him. And whatever he decides happens, happens. But friends, the only way that you come to that decision before any circumstances or the outcome is Jesus worth it? Is he worth it? And if he is, and you say, God, I'll do whatever you want. And if you say, he's not worth it to me. Here's what I I hope is that last word of that statement. That maybe that's where you are now. He's not worth it to me. But my prayer for you for the rest of this week, if you're giving God a week, and even if you're not giving him a week, my prayer for you is, even though you say, you know what, he's not worth it to me. My prayer is that that you'll add on that word, yet. My prayer is that you'll say, yet. He's not there yet. And at least be honest in that. Guys, why would they do this? Because in the Old Testament, there were these dietary laws that God set up for his people. Why, to take away joy? No, to protect them. The things he said to eat and don't eat, it was healthy for them. It was a healthy diet compared to what everyone else was eating. See, God knew. Guys, it came from his word. A few years ago, I was having a hard time uh, sleeping. Um, I haven't, in fact, I, I have a hard time sleeping. I'll, I'll fall asleep in like 30 seconds at the most. But then I'll wake up about an hour and a half later, and then I'm kind of awake for three hours or so. I just can't go back to sleep. And then there's some days where relief comes and not, but it's like, okay, I'm just kind of used to it like for the last 15 years. I remember this one time. My boys were still pretty young, not horribly young, but they were both sharing a room. They don't share a room now, but they were then. About 12.30 in the morning, I remember I woke up and all these thoughts of condemnation were just coming at me. You're a horrible father. You're a horrible husband. No one listens to you when you preach you're a horrible pastor. Like I just couldn't get it to stop. And so instead of just laying there, I thought, well, I'll just get up and read the word. And I, I usually go downstairs and I read from, these are, this is paper. I don't know if you know this, this is paper. I do better with this than I do with a phone because there's all these interruptions with phones. 
But for some reason, this time, instead of going downstairs, turning on a light, I did grab my phone and I walked into my boy's bedroom and I just sat down. It was almost like I wasn't even thinking about it. I sat down and I started reading from Isaiah chapter 43. Now here's the thing. About six months, well, maybe a little bit longer before that, I'd made this commitment to read through the whole Bible in a year. That was the commitment I was going to make. So at this point, when I go into their room, I'm about six months behind that commitment. And so I walk in, I'm six months behind, and I start reading. Now again, I'm sitting there going, I'm, here's the thoughts. You're horrible father, horrible husband, horrible pastor. No one listens to me when you preach. You're horrible. Who would want you? That, 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 constantly. Couldn't get it to stop. Guys, when I go to Isaiah chapter 43, and this is, guys, I'm telling you, this is why the word of God is so, so important. Because I didn't have to sit there and wonder, God, what do you think about me? What are you saying? Chapter 43, verse one, but now thus says the Lord. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. Now listen to this part. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Amen. I sat there, and man, I just started crying. Here I am, in my boy's room. I don't want to wake him up, because you don't want the puppies to wake up, because then they're going to go nuts. I'm just sitting there going, oh, I'm trying to do that cry that nobody can hear. I'm just losing it. And I lost it. I was just, I'm just laying. Then I actually laid on the floor with my face in the carpet. I was like, I don't get it, God. I don't get it. I'm so sorry. Why am I thinking this? I can't get this. What do you think about me? And I sat up and this question popped in my mind. Hey, why do you love these two? He's talking about my boys. And I just quietly said, because they're my boys. Because they're mine. And as clear as day, I've never forgotten this. Here's the thought that popped in my head right after, me too. And that was it. And I went, oh, wait, it's just, you just do? I don't have to worry about all this other stuff if I'm doing it right or well, or you just love me because I'm yours. Because I opened the word and I let God speak from his word. And friends, he met me in such a beautiful way. And I slept the whole rest of that night. Guys, if I didn't open the word, I would have just been laying there. And if, what if I just kept listening to it in so, much, so long that I just started to believe it? Guys, the word of God is so... The word of God is so necessary. Guys, I wrote this in my notes. I say it to those that God has entrusted to me at our church. I, write, I say this often. It is impossible to know the will of God if you do not know the word of God. It is impossible to know the will of God if you don't know the word of God. And here's why I say it. Friends, if you're not in the word of God, you don't even know what God's like. You don't know what he's like. You don't get to make it up. Friends, it's when we make it up. It's called idolatry. We spend time in this, not so we can win at Trivia Pursuit one day when in the presence of God. We spend time with God in this book to spend time with God. 
to just sit and listen. And then we get to stuff, we talk to him about it. We have conversation about it. We write things in our journals. We speak back to him. We listen. We get quiet. We keep reading. It's relational. It's not just transactional. Guys, the Bible is vital. I don't know how we can actually approach him correctly, believe in him correctly, know who he is without the word. It is so important that we're people of the word. Guys, it's in the Bible where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Guys, it's in the Bible that we see the fall of mankind. It's, it's there that sin ravaged all of humanity since that day. It's in the Bible that we say, that we hear, hey, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Guys, it's in that same chapter in Genesis chapter 3 where we broke it, where God says, this is how I'm going to fix it. Guys, it's in the Bible that we hear this. Before the foundation of the world, you were chosen in him. That means before God said, let there be light, he said, let them be mine. Relationship with us. Guys, relationship with us was at the primary thought processes of the creator before he created anything else. He chose us. Guys, when he looked at that, go, okay, wait, wait. So what's that say about me? God said, they're going, before you could do good or bad, my favor was on you, that his grace is based upon his character and not my conduct. Guys, it's from the Bible that we hear, if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, it's in the Bible. I believe if I, was to, if I could tweet in 160 characters the whole Bible, I think it's this, I think the Bible's this, God with us that we might be with him. Guys, it's from the Bible that we hear, wait, God doesn't need us but wants us. Guys, it's in the Bible when you read the tabernacle in the Old Testament. God said, hey, this tent, don't put it on the outskirts. Stick it right in the middle of my people because I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be with them and they will be with me. Guys, it's in the Bible that we hear about grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. That we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Guys, it's in the Bible that we hear for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Guys, it's in the Bible that we hear that we're called to a mission. When Jesus looks at his disciples, he says, go for, therefore go. What's therefore? Why is he saying therefore? Because right before that he says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go in your coming and growing. Go and make disciples. Baptize those disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Guys, it's in the Bible that we hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Guys, when you connect that to the mission, when he says, I want you to, we go back to the Great Commission, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And I'm so thankful that Jesus finished the thought because that seems way too big, doesn't it? The whole world, all people groups, how could I do that by myself? One, you're not called to be by yourself, you're called to be the church. Church is not a place that you go to, it's not an event you attend. The church is the people. The word church means a gathering of people brought together to fulfill a purpose. We've been given something to do. The last thing, right after the Great Commission, right after that, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Oh, and by the way, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Guys, when you start hearing these things coming from the Bible, guys, this is what gives us hope, no? Followers of Jesus, what, what is your faith based on? Because I can guarantee you this, if it's just personal thoughts and opinions, those personal thoughts and opinions are not strong enough to hold you up on those days of afflictions and sufferings. But if God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, the Bible says that while we were enemies, while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. Guys, we start thinking through what the Bible says. And let me finish with this last one and then I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna land the plane after this. Revelation. People are like, yeah, Revelation. The thing all the Christians fight about. Guys, listen to this. In Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the earth, first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Why would that be such a big deal to John? No more sea. Guys, you realize that when he's writing this, he's on an island, left there to die. You know what separates him from life? A sea. So I think what he's saying is, hey, there's no more separation from life. Like, you don't have to worry about that. There's this new heaven, new earth, no more sea, no more separation. Verse two, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, here it is, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I read that, I go, come on. Yeah, do that. As a bride adorned for her husband. You know why that's so beautiful? Guys, there's times I'll do weddings for people. They just love Jesus more than each other. It's awesome. In fact, I always tell them this, even in the wedding and premarital, I'll say, hey, love Jesus most and you'll love each other best. I totally stole that from somebody else, but it was so good. <laughs> Just love Jesus most, you'll love each other best. I remember doing this wedding, a couple of flew me out to Missouri. This was probably like four years ago, I guess. Five years, maybe four or five. And so I'm standing there with the guy and before I go out, I usually say something like this to every groom just to kind of mess with him. Hopefully, hopefully it makes him not freak out, but some of them do and it's, it's kind of fun. So right before I got, I said, hey, dude, dude, have you seen your bride yet? No, no, I haven't seen her. Okay, hey, dude, wouldn't it suck if you went blind right before you saw her? And then we walk out. He said, why would you do that? Because my youth pastor did it to me. 
And it terrified me, and then it was awesome, because when the doors opened, he leaned over and goes, can you see? I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's what I do now. I usually, and usually, before the doors open, I scoot over, because the pastor's always standing in the middle, like, for some reason, we're there, like, we're the show. I scoot over, and I pull him over. When the doors opened, I leaned over, I went, can you see her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just pat him on the back, and I just stand there. And as she comes, she's coming around the, coming around the corner, she gets to the back row, no joke. She gets so excited. This is what she does. She takes steps and goes. She just starts jumping. And I'm like, I have never seen this ever. It's always like the perfect little walk. Dad, dad's crying. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. Okay, he's losing a little bit. She's just walking with him. She's jumping. But his first response when she came around the corner was this. Ah! And I thought, is that good? He screamed, and I thought, oh my gosh, what does that mean? He's crying, smiling like crazy. She gets to the, she gets to the back, she's jumping. He's like this, I'm like, is this gonna continue? <laughs> she gets to the front, he's just crying. Guys, I've never, been, I've never led a wedding where the groom doesn't at least get that quiver. I'm not crying. <laughs> this dude's just losing it. And I looked at him, and I said, guys, this is Revelation 21. What you see here in the joy is the joy that's still coming. Guys, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. There will not be any more weeping. No more mourning. No more death. No more cancer. No more loss. No more struggle with shame or insecurity. No more struggle with sin. No more school shootings. No more pandemics. The old things will pass away and the new things will come. Friends, when we spend time. When we spend time with Jesus in his word, he gives us hope. And when he gives us hope and he teaches us more about who he is, our plight, his remedy, his goodness, we resolve. We make decisions to obey God no matter what because he's worth it. He's worth it. Can I pray for us? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've given us your word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us, that we would resolve. Before circumstances arise, good or bad, we make the decision daily, hourly, to follow you, to obey you. Jesus, you are worth it. And in all that you do and all that you'll continue to do, to you be all the praise, all the glory and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. amen. Love you more than you know. <laughs>